Hebrews chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I'm just going to pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, today, the opportunity that you've given us to come into your house to worship you together as a church family. We thank you um, that our righteousness, our acceptance is built around what Christ has done for us, and that we can rest in that reality and have, have confidence that um, you have received us and accepted us on his merits and the sacrifice that he made for us and his resurrection. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus Christ, for being willing to purchase us with your own blood. We also invite you, Holy Spirit, to come amongst us this morning to open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us. We pray that you would give us grant wisdom and clarity as we open up your word, that you would bless it, that you would um, accomplish the work that you are wanting to accomplish and that it would be for your glory and by your grace. We'll give you the praise for it all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. On August 10th, 2019, a young man named Akash turned 22 years old. Akash was a young, rich kid from India who wanted a Jaguar for his birthday. Instead, his parents got him a BMW because the Jag was far more expensive and they figured that their child would be happy with a merely incredible luxury car instead of an unbelievable one. Sad. So the kid did what any reasonable kid would do who was handed a cheaper luxury car than he wanted for his birthday. He pushed it into the river. Take that, mom and dad. Get something right for once in your life was his attitude. This is a true story. This is truly one of the greatest rich kid tantrums in recent memory, specifically because of how old the kid in question is. It's one thing for an 11-year-old to lose his temper over getting the wrong gaming system to go with his giant TV, surround sound system, and special gaming chair. It's quite another for someone old enough to drive to figuratively kick and scream in the ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese. Wow, right? What a selfish, unthankful, immature, and spoiled way to act. And as we hear a story like this, a, a true story about a, a, a real kid that really lives and is 22 years old and really responded to a situation like this. You can Google it on YouTube and you will see pictures of a brand new BMW, $50,000 floating down the river because he didn't get his Jaguar. We would all look and listen to a story like this and we would condemn and criticize this young man and the moral to the story is, the moral to this story is, the way that this young man responded to this wonderful gift that he received said a lot to us about his character, said a lot to us about his attitude and his, through his actions. In Hebrews chapter number six, we're just going to read two verses this morning, but these two verses tell us a lot 
about our character as well. Namely, how we respond to God's blessings, how we respond to God's gifts, how we respond to God's goodness says a lot about our character. How we respond to God blessing us says a lot about our attitude and our heart and our spiritual condition. In Hebrews chapter 6, and we'll read verse 7 and 8, the Bible says, For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receiving a, receive a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. These two verses that we're looking at this morning, the first impression of these verses is that they're agricultural verses in nature, land receiving rain and and producing a harvest. However, the context of these verses, the the, uh, preceding and that which comes after Uh, argue against the idea of this being an agricultural passage of Scripture, but rather a passage of Scripture about us, a passage of Scripture about humanity, about mankind as a whole, and how mankind receives and responds to the blessings of God, the goodness of God, the kindnesses of God, and how that reveals what is in mankind's heart. This is a passage of Scripture that uses a a figure of speech, And we we see this agricultural figure of speech used all throughout the scriptures. It's not just here, but you see it really all throughout the scriptures because the Hebrew people would have understood what what agricultural meant, what it looked like in a Middle Eastern context. And so the scriptures use these analogies, use these figures of speech to help us understand, to paint a picture for us of of what things look like and what things mean. If you read the first six verses of this passage of Scripture, what you have is you have God pouring out abundance of blessing on the children of Israel. He talks about them being enlightened, them having tasted of the heavenly gift, them having experienced the Holy Spirit, them having tasted of the goodness of God and the powers of the age to come. In other words, the the, the context is these, these people that are being written to here have experienced an extraordinary outpouring of God's blessing. They have experienced things that you and I would, would desire to see God do. And yet in the end, the, the emphasis is that after receiving all of these things, after seeing all of the marvelous works of God, after experiencing His power, experiencing the Holy Spirit in a, in a corporate way, after seeing all of these things, that there's no fruit, there's nothing produced in that individual's life, and therefore all of those blessings become, become worthless or, or, or useless. It's an illustration, if you will, of the verses before and a figure of speech in a sense of drawing people's attention to a visual aid or a mental picture of what actually is taking place. This illustration teaches us that those who experience God's blessing, note this, this illustration, these two verses as illustration, teach us that God, that those who receive God's blessing aren't necessarily saved. 
Those who experience God's goodness, those who experience God's outpouring, those who experience God's spirit, those who experience God's word, the Bible says, they're not necessarily saved. But rather, it is the change that God's work produces. It is the transformation that God's blessing produces in an individual's life. That is what proves and gives evidence to a person truly being saved. We look at people in our world today and we see people who have it together. They financially have it together. They physically have it together. They relationally have it together. And we conclude based upon those things that those must be Christians, right? Those are blessings from God that don't necessarily mean that that individual is a Christian. The call in the past of Scripture is to bring them back to a state of repentance. Because there's a lot of people in our world today who have experienced extraordinary blessings from God, but have never experienced repentance. They've never seen themselves as sinful. They've never seen themselves as the enemy of God, deserving of his wrath and his justice. They've never experienced the very basic part of repentance, but they've experienced all of these blessings. And because of all of these blessings, they consider themselves to be children of God. We see this principle laid out for us in Matthew 19. The Lord is talking to his disciples and he's talking to them about salvation and he tells them it is impossible for a rich man to get into heaven. He says it would be easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it would be for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the apostles, the disciples of the Lord answer, answer him this question, ask him this question. If a rich man cannot be saved who is totally blessed by God, who all of his riches are gifts from God, if a rich man, if it's more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, then who can be saved? From their perspective, all of the blessings that God had poured out on these rich people obviously identified them as being believers. They were obviously Christians. And what the Lord says to them is, no, they're no more Christians by receiving the blessings of God as anybody else is. They too must come to a point in to a point of repentance. They too must come to a place where they recognize their sinful condition, their unworthiness before God, and their need, their desperate need for a Savior. It makes all the sense in the world when you take the context and you look at a group of people who have not just physically experienced the blessings of God, but honestly, if we look at the verses before, it's obvious that these people experienced the blessings of God in a spiritual way. But these were not, he doesn't talk about them being rich or wealthy or having nice cars or having nice homes. He talks about these people experiencing the goodness of God in a spiritual way, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, these types of things, these people experiencing these things, but still not being saved still ultimately being lost. And he calls them back to that state of repentance to, 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 to deal with their unworthy condition before God. Because just because an individual is blessed by God doesn't make them a Christian. Just because an individual experiences God's outpouring 
doesn't make them a Christian. And these two verses give us an illustration to understand this picture and then to go one step further and to show us what does reveal us as Christians. What does say to us and the world around us that this person or these people are believers? So this morning I want to just spend a few minutes unfolding this um, this. What, what we'll call, it's a, it's a figurative language, a figure of speech, and it's an illustration. And I want to just unfold it for you so that we can see in our, in our, with our own eyes the, um, the concept of somebody being blessed but not being saved. And then we can evaluate, we can stop and evaluate in our own lives, is, am I one of those people that has experienced a lot of God's blessing but has never come to a state of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ? And then, um, by God's grace, that person could, could deal with that, could, could fall down on their knees before the Lord and could plead with Him for mercy. We, listen, folks, we live, in, we live in a culture and we live in a generation of blessed people, don't we? We do. We are, we are a culture. The United States of America is a culture of blessed people. We have received many blessings from the Lord. We have received much blessings from the Lord. We fight over, we fight over BMWs and Jaguars, right? There are people in countries around us that they walk miles and miles to get from one location to the next, and, and we choose which car we're going to drive from one, loca- one location to the next, Right? There are people who wake up in the morning and they don't change clothes because that's all the clothes that they have. We get up in the morning and we go into a closet and we go through a whole line of clothes and we choose which pair of clothes we want to wear for that day because we're a blessed people, aren't we? We're a blessed people in this country. We have freedom to, we have freedom to come here into this, into this church house and to hear the word of God preached. We have the freedom to fellowship together. There are places in this world that have, that have none of these freedoms at all. They cannot come together. And as a matter of fact, when they do come together, there's a possibility and the expectation that they might not go back home from that, from that congregational meeting because they might be arrested or even killed in that process. We're a blessed people, aren't we? May, may I submit to you that the blessings that America has experienced have caused us to believe ourselves to be Christian. We've caused us to look at ourselves and say, we, we must, for, for all of the blessings that we've received, we must be Christian. If we, if we weren't Christian, we wouldn't be receiving all of these blessings. I think if we were to dig down to the root and to look into the depths of man's soul as God does, we would find that our country is not a Christian country. That it is a blessed country, but it is not a Christian country. And we're finding out more and more every day how how unchristian we are by how we function and how we live. We're seeing it unfold before us. We're seeing God reveal the heart of man every day in front of our eyes. And we're not getting closer to the Lord, folks. We're getting further and further away from the Lord. This is not, I'm not telling you something that's new this morning. This is something that is obvious. Watch, watch the news for five minutes and you won't see people getting closer to Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, you can't even say the name Jesus Christ. It wasn't, it wasn't 100 years ago that people could say the name Jesus Christ and it wasn't as much of a big deal, right? So by, by saying today we cannot say the name Jesus Christ, does that mean we're getting closer to the Lord or further away from the Lord? 
we're moving further away from the Lord. But because we have all of these blessings, and we do have a lot of blessings, we think that we're a Christian nation. We, we think we're Christian people because God has poured out his blessing on us. And what this text is telling us is simply this. It's not being blessed that defines you as a Christian. It's not being blessed that defines you as a Christian. It's what the blessings of God create in you. It's what the blessings of God change about you that verify or confirm that you are a Christian? What has God's blessings done to our country? What has God's blessings resulted in our country? Has it resulted in a country that's totally humble before him? Has it resulted in a country where people bow down before him every day and thank him for all of his wonderful blessings? Is that what the fruit has been? No, it's resulted in in the very opposite. We become a very proud country. We become a very proud people. We become a very self-exalted people. And all of it is that God's blessing. God has blessed us. So let's look uh, for a few minutes at at these two simple verses, um, illustration and figure of speech, if you want to follow along. First of all, we'll look at the rain that falls, the rain that falls. The Bible says, for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop um, useful for those to, to those for whose sake it is cultivated. Just a few truths about rain. We know that rain comes from God. A rain is a, a type, if you will, in this passage of Scripture of God's blessing God pouring out, the Bible talks about the, the drinking in the rain, that God pours out his, his rain uh, uh, in an agricultural sense on the land. Um, we're looking for, forward to rain, aren't we? Uh, we live in a, a state that doesn't get much rain, and we've been several months without rain, so we're looking forward to the rain. We just moved from a state that gets rain all the time. They, they have more rain than they can handle. They had huge floodings this year. All of this rain that we experience, all of it comes from God. It comes from God. In the Bible days when the prophets, when when rain wouldn't come on a person's harvest, they wouldn't go out and put uh, pivots out and things like that, would they? I mean, we have that technology today, but in the Bible times, when, when rain didn't come, what did people do? They prayed, didn't they? They got down on their knees and they understood that the source of rain is God. So they got on their knees and they prayed to God for rain, knowing that he, that he was the one capable of pouring out the rain on them. So we see, first of all, that rain comes from God. It is a blessing from God. Isaiah 55 and verse 10, and even verses around it would be appropriate. But in verse 10, it says, For us, the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Rain comes from God. It's a gift, if you will. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a gift from God. Something that He pours out on us in kindness to us. Not only is rain from God, but rain is a blessing. The Bible says that the rain, that the earth that drinks in the rain that falls on it, produces a crop useful for those whose sake it is cultivated. The rain that falls blesses the land. Right? Uh, it, it, it. it does something to the land that is good. And it's going to make, bring forth some type of a, of, a, of a produce or a product. So rain falls on the ground and it brings blessing to the ground that receives it. 
The word in the Hebrew means, or in the Greek here, means to, to, to nourish, to, um, to strengthen, or to refresh. So the rain that falls on the earth, it refreshes the ground, it nourishes the ground, it, it, it strengthens the ground, it prepares the ground to do what it's supposed to do. The earth drinks in that rain. It's, it's almost like if you can think about, and again, we, we get to experience it a little bit here in California with the lack of rain that we get, but you can imagine being, being very thirsty for something. Um, the psalmist, I think it's Psalm 42, talks about um, that, he, that, that he thirsted for the Lord as in a dry and thirsty land. It is the earth drinks in the rain or the earth is blessed by the rain. In the same way, mankind is blessed by God's blessing. Mankind drinks in God's blessing. Mankind enjoys and is refreshed, is strengthened and nourished by God's blessing. It doesn't mean that mankind is thankful. It doesn't mean that mankind responds by being humble or being changed. But mankind drinks. We bask this morning in the blessings of God. We bask in the blessings of God. We enjoy being refreshed. We enjoy being encouraged. We enjoy being clothed. We enjoy being able to get in cars and go home to houses. We enjoy these things, don't we? They're blessings to us. The rain that God sends is a blessing to the earth, and the blessings that God sends are a blessing to God's people. It's like setting a meal out in front of somebody who might be homeless or might have not eaten for a while. They are blessed by that meal. It doesn't mean that they are thankful for that meal. It doesn't mean that they're going to change because of that meal. But you can know this, that they're nourished by that meal. The rain that God sends is a blessing on us. And we drink in it. I love, the, I love the way that the terminology is because we do, don't we? We drink in the blessings of God every day. We drink them in. And some have more and some have less, but we all drink in the blessings of God. The rain is a blessing. The rain is from God. The rain is frequent. The Bible says that the land has drunk in the rain that often falls on it. That often, the word here implies that this is happening frequently, many times, oftentimes. The rain is falling on the earth in its season. When it needs rain, it's falling on the earth. When we're in the hot summers and we've been without rain for a season, we look forward to that rainy season. We look forward to that time where the rain is going to fall. In this context, we would be probably looking at more like a Nebraska type of rain than we would a California type of rain. In other words, God is pouring out his blessing abundantly. God is pouring out his blessing frequently. And if we understand what God's blessing is and what God's blessings looks like, we understand that this is happening to us all of the time. Rain is falling on us all of the time. Think about this. Every breath that you take is rain from God. Every meal that you eat is rain from God. Every day that you live is rain from God. Every dollar in your bank account is rain from God. Every healing that you experience is rain from God. Every victory that you have in your life is rain from God. And those are just a little list of uh, 
seven things. We could talk for hours and hours and hours on all of the ways in which God blesses us. We are, we are a people that have a difficult time identifying God's blessing because we wanted a Jaguar and not a BMW, right? How many of you this morning would say a BMW would be a pretty good blessing? Here's the problem. If you're spoiled, a BMW is not a blessing anymore. And might I suggest to you this morning that breathing air is a blessing, but if you're spoiled, breathing air is not a blessing anymore. Eating a meal is a blessing, right? Eating, 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 uh, you know, they all say when you're in college, you eat what, uh, macaroni and cheese all the time, right? Eating macaroni and cheese, my friends, is a blessing unless you've eaten steak too much. It's true. We've become so inundated with blessings that we've lost sight of what blessings look like. We've become so overwhelmed with all of God's goodness that we think we deserve it. And then God sends us a time where we're blessed in a different way, in a smaller way, in a slighter way. And we ask God, God, where is your blessing? You're breathing. There is my blessing. You're eating. There is my blessing. Rain is falling frequently on us. You've heard the old song, the old hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. And if we looked at that and we were to look at God's blessings from his perspectives, we would never run out of things to count. We would never run out of things to be thankful for. But because we have become so inundated with blessings, we have become confused about those blessings. The rain demands a crop. In this passage of Scripture, in both cases, you have two different types of crop. We'll look at that here in a moment. But what is, what is, what is adequately presented to us in these verses is that rain demands a crop. In other words, when the rain comes, there will be some form of crop or some form of fruit from it. God blessing, God's blessing on his people, God's blessings on our world is going to create some type of response. God's blessing in your life is going to create some kind of response. Okay? You're going to respond to the rain in the same way that the ground responds to the rain. It's going to bring up one of two kinds of fruits. But what we want to know is that God sends the rain, the rain blesses the earth, and that the earth brings forth a fruit because of the rain. The earth produces a crop or a product because of the rain. And again, it doesn't mean that the product is going to be good, but it does mean that it's going to produce a crop. There is going to be a crop that comes forth from God's blessing. So if you're taking notes this morning, the end of point one, the rain that falls is simply this, Lord, thank you for the rain. Lord, thank you for the rain. Amen? Thank the Lord for the rain that he has sent to us. Thank the Lord for the blessings that we have experienced from his hand. Thank the Lord for his goodness. The second thought this morning is the land that drinks. The Bible says the land has drunk in this, these blessings. The land has drunk in this rain that often falls on it. 
and it produces a crop. And we'll look at the crops here in a moment. But if you're taking notes, the land that drinks, and the first one is all of the land experiences the rain. All of the land experiences the rain. And in other words, all, all of the world experiences God's blessings. Everybody experiences God's, in, everyone experiences God's blessings. We all do. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're always going to see it. It doesn't mean that we're always going to understand it or comprehend it. But, but let, me, let me assure you that people in Africa and people in China and people in South America and people in North America and people all over the world are daily being blessed by God. They are. Again, our interpretation of that is, is not always good. Our understanding of that is not always good. But know this, everybody is experiencing God's blessing on a regular basis. Now, we don't always experience God's blessings at the same time, and we don't always experience experience God's blessings in the same level or in the same way. Again, we use the analogy of Nebraska and California when it comes to rain. One state receives a lot of rain, and another state receives little rain, Neither state deserves any rain, okay? One receives a lot, one receives little. Both are blessed. Both are blessed. One gets a lot, one gets little. Neither deserve any, both are blessed. True? Okay, make sure we understand that. All of us are receiving God's blessings. All of mankind experiences God's blessings on a regular basis. And God pours it out. The idea of drinking in the rain or, and the rain falling on the earth here in this text literally means to cover. The, the water, the rain is covering or covering the ground. The Lord's blessings cover us. It's frequent, it's, it's often, and it's in abundance. It's not always the same amount. It's not always at the same time. And it's not always the same kind of blessing. For some, God gives spiritual blessing. For others, God gives financial blessing, some career blessing, some relationship blessing. And we can go on and on. But God is constantly pouring out blessing on, his, on people, on mankind as a whole. Every man that walks upon the face of this earth experiences God's blessing. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't believe I would be going too far in saying that they experience God's blessing daily. If we understand what God's blessing is. Ultimately, to understand God's blessing, we just have to understand what we deserve, and then God's blessing becomes really, really clear to us. Matthew 5.45 says, For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and son is S-U-N, his son, to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is pouring out his blessings on on this world every day. And some people experience it in abundance, and some people experience it in in less, but it is God's blessings still the same. All the land experiences the rain. Number two, in regards to the land that drinks, is all the land responds to the rain. Let, Let me read this quote to you before I get to all the land that responds to the rain. John MacArthur says this, I believe that the most universal gift and the most universal blessing that comes from God 
is common grace, in common grace, is in humanity, is time. Time to repent, time to believe, time granted by God's patience, God's patience. He is patient because he is merciful. The greatest gift that we have, the universal blessing, is time, it is life, it is opportunity. All the land responds to the rain. Okay, so you have, you have basically two different responses here to drinking in the rain. Everybody drinks in the rain. The, 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 the water falls from the sky and the earth takes it in. Okay, and now it's, going, now it's going to begin to impact the earth in one of two ways. The Bible says, for the land that drunk the rain that often falls on it produces a crop useful for those whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from the Lord. So the first crop that's produced by God's blessing is a, what we would call a useful crop. A useful crop, a, a, a crop that is good. Um, the, the term used here means to be a, a fitting crop, a, 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 a well-placed crop. Um, if you were to look at it from the picture of a puzzle, you would be like putting a puzzle piece exactly where it belongs. So what he's saying is, is that there is a response to God's blessing that is putting that puzzle piece, piece exactly where it belongs. And there's a response to God's blessing that is not putting the... It is trying to cram the puzzle piece where it doesn't belong. It's trying to fit something where, it, where it's not meant to be fitted. It literally means to not fit. So in one case, there's a response to God's blessing that is a fitting response. It is the right response. And there's a response to God's blessing that is an unfitting response. Before we get to this place, though, we have, to, we have to, again, be able to identify what is God's blessing. We live in, in again, we're inundated in such a culture with, with God's blessing being not what God's blessing is. We want more. We want different. We want this. We want that. Because we don't realize that we're sitting in God's blessing. It's, un, it's, 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 it's in many ways... Um, dishonoring to God. Respond to God's blessing in a useful way. The land responds to the rain in a useful way by producing a useful crop. Grapes, corn, wheat, um, apples, pears, oranges. Uh, you guys, you can go on and on about all the different crops that are produced that are, that are good crops. We we go out and we pick some corn or we go out and we pick an apple off the tree and we eat that apple and we, we realize that there is this rain that's hitting the ground that's producing this fruit through this tree and it's all a blessing from God. It's all him pouring out his, his, his blessings on us. And God constantly pours out his blessings on us. And what he's... What he's what, is a good response to God pouring out his blessing is that we become spiritually useful. God's blessing produces a spiritual usefulness. God's blessing produces a spiritual youthfulness, usefulness that is the harvest for himself. It's interesting that he says in this um, verse, he says, useful for those whose sake it has been cultivated. For those who say it has been cultivated is, is referring to God. In other words, that our, our soul has been cultivated, the ground has been cultivated, that when the rain hits it, it will produce a fruit that is, that is useful to God. 
In the, in the same way that when the water hits the earth and it produces fruit, we want fruit that's useful to us. The farmer goes out and he tills the ground up and he makes it all ready, right? So that when the rain hits it and it hits that seed, it brings forth fruit and that farmer can go out there and sell that food to us and we can eat it. The principle of this text of scripture is, is that when God pours out his blessing on us, the right response is, to, is for it to result in things that are useful for God. That we become useful for, we become useful in God's hands. We become tools or vessels of nourishment and encouragement and strength that God can use in the culture around us. We become useful for Him. This is the positive response. This is the right response to God's blessing in our lives. 2 Timothy 2:4 says, No soldier gets entangled in the civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. To please God, who has enlisted us into his kingdom. To be useful to God, who has prepared the soil of our hearts. Who has made our hearts ready to receive the blessings and to respond to the blessings correctly. The right response to God's blessing is to be useful to him. I find it so I find it so so consistent that in the Christian life, especially in our culture, that when we receive God, we see him as becoming useful for us. That's the only reason why we receive him is that he can be useful for us. He says, when I pour out my blessing on you and I pour my blessing out on everybody, it is that you might become useful for him. You might be changed. You might be transformed. You might go from being his enemy to being his friend. You become useful. I become useful for his kingdom. That's what he's want. That's pouring out his blessings on us so that we might become useful to him. That he produces fruits in us through his blessings. Fruits of the fruits of the spirit, I would call them. Patience, thankfulness. Um, humility, kindness, graciousness, mercifulness, diligence, gentleness. And you, you can go on and on of the fruits that God is trying to work out in our lives that make us useful for his kingdom. And one of the greatest enemies of being useful for God's kingdom is when we're impatient, when we're full of pride, when we're full of self. So God pours out of his blessings upon us so that we would become humbled. We would become selfless. We would become kind and gentle to people. God is pouring out all of these kindness and gentlenesses on us so that we might pour them out on other people. He wants us to be useful for his kingdom and being useful for his kingdom is simply the soil responding to the rain in a correct way. It is evidence that the soil has been cultivated by God for that purpose. It is the evidence of our salvation when God pours his rain out on us and our response is the right response. It is that it cultivates something within us that makes us useful for his kingdom, that makes us useful for God. 1 Peter 1.7 says, so they taste, so they so that the testing of the genuineness of your faith might be found to be more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, that it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says here at the end of this 
portion, he says that it might become useful to those for whom sake it has been cultivated, God, and they will receive a blessing from God. In other words, the word blessing here just means praise. That when we become useful for God and he uses us, he, he works his will out through us, he praises whom? I think the picture is very simple. He praises us for the things that he works out through us. He rewards us for the things that he accomplishes through us. What does he want from us? He wants us to be useful for his kingdom. Warren Wearsby said it this way, God doesn't bless us just so that we can be happy. He blesses us to make other to he blesses us to make us a blessing. He blesses us to make us a blessing. He blesses us to conform us into the image of his son so that we might be used by him in carrying out and accomplishing his purposes. The right response is a useful response. When I experience God's blessing and because of it, it transforms me on the inside and it makes me useful for his kingdom. It makes me humble. It makes me thankful. It makes me generous. It makes me gracious. It makes me all of these things. The blessings of God make me these things if my soul, if my soil or my soul (laughs) have been cultivated. And if my soil has been cultivated, who has done the cultivating? God has done the cultivating. God has prepared my soil to receive his reign and to, and to mix it with his seed and to produce his fruit. And then he praises you. This is grace. This is grace at, at, at the basis. <clears throat> so our response to that is, Lord, thank you for changing us. And then there's a worthless response. He says, but if it bears thorns and thistles, the same rain falls on the same people. One bears forth fruit that is useful. One bears forth fruit that is worthless. And it's not only worthless, but if you take it from a biblical context, it is harmful. It's not just worthless, it's harmful. Thorns and thistles aren't just worthless. They are worthless, but how many people like to walk through them or or fall into them? They're painful, aren't they? They're not just worthless, they're they're harmful. When God pours out his blessings on mankind and mankind responds by thorns and thistles, it's not only worthless to God, but it's harmful to God's people. Oh God, you you didn't give me what I wanted. I wanted the jaguar. I wanted the this, or I wanted that, or I wanted this way, or I wanted that way. You are doing that which is worthless to God. His blessing has been poured out upon you, and your response to it is a response of thanklessness. Your response to him is, a, is, the, is the attitude of give me more, give me better, give me different. Folks, this is a dishonor to our God. When God pours out his blessing on us, receive it. There is no, there is no place for us to, to, to say more or different. God, thanks that we can be here this morning. There are countries where they cannot meet. There are countries where we cannot hold this book into our hands and read it and study it and understand it. Thank you, God, for that. 
Lord, help us not to respond worthlessly towards your blessing. Let your blessings cultivate within us the right response, not the the harmful or, or worthless response. When I think of thorns and thistles, I think of unthankfulness, pride, greed, expecting more, spoiled, ungodly, selfish. And you can go on and on. I wrote down 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, which describes what the end times will be. And what the end times will be, it will be a time where people respond to God's blessing worthlessly. God, help us not to see your blessing and complain. Help us not to be fed out of water from the rock and then the next time we come to another difficult situation, complain. Help us not to walk through a Red Sea that split on both sides and come to the next situation and complain. God, help us to be a people that respond to your blessing rightly. That we might be useful for your kingdom. Listen, this is no small thing. This is no light thing. Because here's here's what the Lord says in the end of this verse. This is significant. He says, it is worthless. So those who respond to God's blessing with thorns and thistles, they are worthless. And get this, they are near to being cursed and the end is to be burned. This This is a verse of scripture that deals with eternal condemnation. These are people who are very near to God. God, the old picture of the person hanging from the strand over hell. These are people that are right near to that strand being cut and being dropped into eternal damnation forever. This is not a small thing. This is not an insignificant thing. This is not an unimportant thing. This word means to reprobate somebody, to cast them away, to reject them finally and forever. Those who respond to the blessings of God with pride and selfishness and greed, these people are near to being cast away eternally. This is no small thing. This is no insignificant thing. Your eternal soul is on the line. You say, Pastor John, I'm I'm saved. I've got this thing. And yet the scriptures scream at us that it may not be true. God is not going to get you. You are not going to stand before God one day and he's not going to ask you if you're saved. And he's not going to give you an opportunity to convince him of whether or not you're saved. He's going to open up your very soul and he's going to know whether you're saved or whether or not you're lost. This is a term of reprobation. This is Romans 1, 28 through 32, where the Bible says that God gave them over to the very defilement of their minds. Those who receive the blessings of God and it doesn't transform them into the image of Christ are those should be afraid of God's eternal judgment and wrath. But there's one word in here that is so important. It says this, but if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and it is near. This is the most encouraging verse in this passage. They are near to being condemned. They are near to being reprobate. They are near to being cast away. Simply stating this, they're not there yet. There is still hope. 
If you're sitting here this morning and God has poured out his blessings on you in all different ways and you've responded with pride and arrogance and selfishness and greed and God is still pouring out his blessings on you, there's still hope. Steve Lawson said recently, as long as you have breath, there is hope. As long as you're breathing, there is hope because God has given you another opportunity to fall on your knees before him, to repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ and find eternal deliverance, which will transform you from the inside out. You will not be the same anymore. The response to this is, Lord, please help us. Lord, please help us. And finally, the reaction that reveals. The whole text is meant to describe to us these two reactions as being a revealer of our heart. That the greatest revealer of mankind's heart is how he responds when God pours out his blessing on that individual. Some will respond usefully. Some will respond worthlessly. And ultimately, this will define us. Listen to this verse. Hebrews 10.29 says, How much sorer punishment do you think will be deserved by those who have trampled underfoot the Son of God and and have profaned the blood of His covenant by which He was sanctified and have outraged the Spirit of grace? This is a passage of Scripture that is meant for us to stop and meditate. Not on all that God has given us, but on all that we have, how we have responded to all that God has given us. Has all that God has given us made us holier? Has all that God given us made us humbler? Has all that God given us made us kinder? Has all that God given us made us more gracious? Has all that God given us made us more merciful? Because these are the things that define us, not all of the things that God has given us. In the end, we learn that God cares about his people and he cares enough to illustrate to them and use, physical, and use figures of speech to help them understand the truth. These two verses are in the Bible as figures of speech. Listen to me. These two verses are in the Bible as figures of speech because God cares about you. That's why they're there. God doesn't have to use figures of speech and God doesn't have to use illustrations. He does it because he loves us. He wants us to know that blessings come into life because of him at different times, in different ways, and in different places, but they always come from him. And there's an abundance of God's blessings being experienced all around us today. He wants us to know that being blessed does not mean being saved. He wants us to know this morning that how we respond to his blessings is what shows us what's in our heart. I would say to you that this morning when I read the illustration at the beginning of the young man and the BMW and the, and the, and the, um, the other fancy car, I can't even think of the name of it right now because I just don't think about those things. Listen to me. I would say to you that many of us have been just like that with God. It's honest. It's true. We've been just like that. Oh God, I want this. I don't want this. 
God is showing us our hearts. God is showing us, he's revealing to us what's there so that we can have an opportunity to fall down on our knees before him in repentance and faith for salvation. This morning, if you're here and you conclude yourself to be blessed by the Lord, and you conclude that because of your being blessed by the Lord, that that means you're saved, my challenge to you is to evaluate your heart. Jesus Christ will save you, but he doesn't save those who are blessed by the Lord. He saves those who are repentant of their sins and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And that offer of salvation is being offered to you today. The Bible says that all that come to Christ, that are brought to Christ by God, he will reject none of them and cast none of them away. It's a promise in God's word. It's not all of those that are blessed. It's all of those that come to him realizing their unworthiness of the blessings. Humbly putting themselves before the God of the universe and saying, I am guilty, Lord God, but I trust in what your son has done for me and I receive it by faith. And the Lord says in that moment, you experience forgiveness. You experience mercy. You experience grace. You experience change. And that change makes you usable in the kingdom of our God. And that is my prayer for you this morning, is that if you're in that boat, you need to evaluate your heart. Evaluate what comes out when God blesses, because he's always blessing and he's always revealing. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for caring enough about us to analyze and use... um, different illustrations, and just showing us, exposing, um, opening us up to understanding where we're at and where we need to be. I pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that they would repent today, place their faith in Christ, and experience the salvation, the blessing of salvation that only he can give. I pray those of us that are here that are saved, that are possibly convicted by what we've heard, that we were walking through life and we're murmuring and complaining about everything. We've lost sight of the fact that the very breath that we breathe is a gift from you that we do not deserve. Lord, I pray that you would transform us, you would change us into being a thankful, humble, gracious people that is hopeful for the future and truthful in all that we do. We pray your blessing upon this time that you would be glorified in it. And that this body that's here this morning would become more useful because of your word. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.